0: This episode is brought to you by our amazing sponsors, Inca Valley Wine, Barnyard Elixir, Red Robin, Happy Dragon, Mongolian Barbecue, Chris Barnett of Barnett Grill at Real Ch- Executives, and Jail Insurance.
1: celebrating the world's best dabs son this is whiskey try some okay thanks dad what are you doing uh nothing honey sure dad may forget birthdays graduations even your fourth grade piano recital but he'll never forget to tell you you're doing that wrong no
0: i'm not dad yes you are Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of DadCast. I am JP. I am joined, of course, with my co-host, the very tenacious Nick Martin. Hello, Nick. How are you? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Today is quite possibly going to be what we hope to be, the greatest podcast episode in the history of podcast episodes because we have the honor and the pleasure of hosting a world-renowned surgeon, He's a comedian. He had to flee to America to escape a, a, well, we'll get to that story later. He has done so much. He is a humanitarian. And I think most importantly, the biggest accomplishment of this man is he's a dad. And that's what we hear from Dadcast, and that's an ongoing accomplishment. Everybody, welcome to the show, Bassem Youssef. Hello, sir. How are you? I mean, after
2: that introduction, I mean, your audience is kind of like down for a very big disappointment.
0: (laughs) I don't know. JP sets the bar so (laughs) high. Well, you should hear some of the intros we do with Nick. You know, that was actually I was very polite to him this time. (laughs) (laughs) So, how's it going, Bassem?
2: How, How are things, man? It's amazing. It's great. Uh, I'm loving my new life here in America. I mean, it's not new, really. I've been here for a few years now, but uh, it's great. Uh, it's it's happening. I'm uh, I'm doing comedy. I've actually like in the middle of the pandemic, I was actually touring all around America. Just in the past three months, I was in Tampa, uh, Houston, Dallas, uh, Maryland, New Jersey, Miami, and I was every seeing a different country, a different city. And it was interesting to see uh how people are dealing with the pandemic around how they are responding to comedy.
0: Yeah, you know, I was actually in Miami last week, the same time you were. If I had known, I would have probably showed up and introduced myself and been like that was a little bit early. You don't know who I am oh. yet. But uh I noticed <laughs> Oh my being...
2: God, that's uh, I, I was in the Miami improv all weekend, man. I know. Oh my god.
0: I was I was drinking having fish tacos with my lady in Hollywood, just up the street. Yeah. But uh, have you noticed that in, in South Beach, Miami, uh, masks don't seem to exist? Well, I,
2: I, I actually, I used to open my act by, this is like, guys, everywhere else in the world, this is a mask. In South Miami Beach, this is a thong. It's just like, and I kind of turned <laughs> around, and so was like, this is how we use them here. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: probably what they did. Oh, by the way, man, happy birthday. Yeah, well, man, happy birthday.
2: birthday. Yeah, that's my birthday, too. <laughs>
0: yeah, Wikipedia is our friend. <laughs> So, oh, thank you. oh, my God. Yes. <laughs> I've already established that you are a dad, but uh, this is the one question we do ask of all our guests to come on the show. Um, are you a dad?
2: Yeah. I am a dad for uh, two children. Two children. And how old are they? If that's something you'd like so to share. The oldest is Nadia. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess she just turned nine. Her birthday is three days apart of my, from mine. So we kind of like celebrated our birthday together. And the youngest is Adam, and she is uh, three and a half
0: years old. Wow. And, so uh, that's awesome. you know,
2: it's amazing. Yeah, it's amazing.
0: How is that? Now, see, we're actually the same age. Well, okay, you got me beat by a few months. And uh, so nine and three, you got a late start in the whole world of fatherhood as well. Yeah. I actually, everything happened to me
2: late. I uh, I became very late. I got married, got children very late. And even I I lost my virginity very later in my life. So yes, I'm a very late doomer.
0: Well, it was probably all that study you were doing to become a surgeon, right? That took all the time up? Yeah. Yeah. Being a nerd is not an easy thing. Nick called me a nerd the other day just because I like computers and cameras and audio equipment. I told him I was a nerd in disguise.
1: So, Bossom, you, you have... I think I said you were my go-to nerd because yeah, I'm enough. trying to buy a computer. I
0: don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> well, thank you. Yeah, but look how beautiful what your background
1: looks now. You should have seen him last week, Bossom. It, it, it was a window. It was terrible. That was it? It was, it was embarrassing. It was a window with some, with some shutters. It was, it was the worst thing in the world. Now you have guitars all over behind you. That's amazing.
0: <laughs> and now he's upped his his Zoom background game. Looking exactly at that. Nice, so nice. Let's dive into. I, I, you've written some children books, and from what I've read, uh, one of them is based on your daughter Nadia. Is that true? Yeah, it is the one
2: children's book. It's the it's called the Magical Reality of Nadia. And now I if. if I sure. I know what I don't know how to write the children and help you. What is important is your experience out as as useful to write about for children. So I, I thought of channeling my own experience through the
0: book to an idea. I hate to say this, but everything you just said, we didn't hear. Looks like you got a bad connection on your end. uh oh! See, there he is. Yeah, what happened? <laughs> He's back. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe the internet. Are you, you're in San Francisco right now? No, I'm in Los Angeles. Actually, you're in L.A. Okay, I don't. Well, there should be some gosh darn good internet there. Uh, it got. It got. Uh, it. Let's back it up. Let's let's repeat that about the uh, the children's book because it was uh, breaking up and no one heard anything. Yeah. Yeah. OK. So um, if you told me a couple of years ago,
2: you're going to write the children's book, I would have never believed you. But then I sat with Scholastic and uh, Scholastic, you know, said, like we can help you write a, uh, like that book, but uh, it has to be succumbing from your own experience. So I thought, like, what is the problem with the world today? The problem with the world today is like a bunch of adults that are fighting about stuff that they were never told uh, or, or prepared to for as children. Everything that we have to go through now as adults actually cut the fact that we as children, we were never told how to deal with them. And the big part of it is accepting someone who is different, accepting someone who is not exactly like you. So I had that problem in Egypt when I was a comedian, being different, standing against authority, against the main current. And then I'm coming here to America to be also an immigrant in a country that is, there is a lot of people there who do not accept people who are different than them. So, and 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 in that stage of middle school children, this is where children start to hear and understand and get exposed to terms like inclusion, diversity, racism, different. This is where people start to say, I am different from other people. I sound, I look different. So I thought, what would it be like for my daughter? So I kind of like did this like fictionalized story about Nadia is a new, uh, a, a daughter of new immigrants in America. Uh, she's American everything, but now she's starting to feel she's different because of her culture, her color, her skin. Her, and then there is, and then suddenly she's in in a in position where she doesn't know what to do. And inter, uh, here enters Titi. Titi is an ancient Egyptian teacher who was locked in Amulet for 3,000 years. Think of him as the genie in Aladdin. Okay. And he was cursed by a, a powerful magician that, uh, that in the past they had the same exact problems that we have today inclusion, diversity, accepting people. And then he was cursed. that. And then Titi comes out and he's this incredible, bigger than life character. And then he starts to take Nadia into these magical journeys through comics book that transfers them to different parts of Egyptian history. And I use fables, uh, mythology, real history to tell the story, the, to tell stories, make Nadia get informed about her life today in, in America. Because everything that's happened, happening today has happened before history does have a habit of repeating itself Isn't so tough? through these stories Nadia knows more about herself and about her her new environment and starts to and she starts to teach other children about it and kind of like it's kind of like her history through that kind of like informs her present so that's basically the story yes there's a, like a messages of inclusion and diversity and accepting the other but it's not really on the nose there's still like a lot of adventure and history and and magic
0: that is amazing. I'd like to get my hands on one of those. And yeah, my seven-year-old oh, little girl. You'll love it. Oh, she'll love it. I'll have it be her next bedtime story. Absolutely. Because it's a message and it's it's what the world needs more of, period. You Definitely. Know. Yeah. You know, I, yeah. Where, where we're from around here, unfortunately, and I don't want to, you know, I'm not going to call out anyone in particular, of course, but there is that, that mindset that exactly what you're talking about of mm-hmm. uh, if you're different people let you know about it. And, and I come from Southern California in LA. I grew up in LA with everybody. doesn't matter who you were. So I, I don't feel like I have any of that in me at all. You know, if you're a human man, you're human. And that is, that's, that's what it is. But I, I mean, look at the world, turn on the news. I don't yeah. suggest you do, but if you turn on the news. Let, you know. me you,
2: uh,
0: let, 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 let me tell you something.
2: Americans are a little bit too hard on themselves. Yes, there is a lot of stuff here to be, to complain about. But racism and, and not accepting others because mm-hmm. they're different is a global thing. I can tell you a lot of that is happening also in the Arab world. A lot of that is happening even with the communities in America. It is not racism and, and hate and, and, and alienating of the other is not an American thing. It's not a white thing. It's a global thing. And you can find someone who is brown so from my part of the world who could be the most racist person ever. Um, so that's why when I know, that like you know, in America we kind of like we like to dunk on white people like you because you are kind of like butt of every joke. You're an easy target because if I cannot do that on other brown people, <laughs> but the, the the fact of the matter is, uh, it is a global problem. Uh, you will find people in the Arab world who are not accepting of other people. Different religion, of different orientation, even of a different political, uh, uh, um, uh, th- uh, th- uh, like thoughts or direction. So it is a it is a big a big thing all over the world. And I think what is happening in America
0: is a manifestation of what is happening in the world. All over the world now, would you call it, it's a global thing? Absolutely, I can't disagree with you on that part. But is it also a learned, taught thing from the parents, or is
2: uh, a ge- geographical
0: um, thing? Um,
2: it is kind of like,
1: it's
2: it, It's not a learned thing as much of like, it's an ignorance thing. It's kind of like, it is more of like the ig- ignorance of the pa- parents is inherited. Yes. Is because if you're learned, if you're informed, you not be like, and, and this is kind of one of the messages of the book. The book basically says that being different cool. The strength of this country the how big and how great this country is because it allowed people from different culture and different backgrounds to melt into this country. This is this is this is one of the greatest country of the world because of that. Because it allows that, it allows the brains and the and the, and the, and the, and, the, and the passion and the hearts of people from all over the world to come here and to be part of this. And, you know, the people who are afraid of people who are different than them, they don't know that many people here would rather stay here than go back to their countries because they like this country. They like this land and they want to contribute to it. And this is why it's it's, so people need to understand that being different is a source of strength. It's not a source of suspicion or or worrisome.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Mm. You're a good man, Bassam. I'm glad you're on the show. Man, you see, I didn't even prepare myself. All you guys got drinks, and I I didn't. I'm sorry. So maybe, maybe I can go get one of our yeah, we'll get one of those later. Nick, you're so quiet over there, man. What's what's I'm, going on? I'm just,
1: got, yeah, no, I'm just I'm just listening. Like this is like some good stuff here. And yeah. Okay. But, you got you have any questions? Well, let's light, let's lighten it up a little bit though. What's uh <laughs> awesome. it, We need <laughs> so we, we like to do a dad joke, so Being a comedian, I'm sure you've probably got way better dad jokes than I have or JP has. So uh, Ah. I'm gonna put you on the spot. Let's uh, let's let's get a dad joke out. (laughs) We're putting him on the spot, Nick. I know. That's
0: a joke. Uh Uh-oh, we losing you again. See what you did there, Nick. Uh, I know. (laughs) Wait, are you back? There you are. Okay, if you told us the
2: joke, we didn't hear it. it.
1: (laughs)
0: <laughs> yeah, okay.
2: no, I, 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 I didn't. T- <laughs> oh God, um, no, I don't have any dad jokes, guys. Come on, I mean, putting in the spot. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, well, thankfully, Nick Martin, the other guy right there, he's got a whole book of them.
1: And so right, oh God, daughter, I, for Christmas, I, hooked me up with a dad jokes.
2: <laughs> I should get that book.
1: But you shouldn't actually. actually terrible. <laughs> Let me tell
0: you why. Okay. So what we've done on every show is we've told a single joke because it's 365 days worth of dad jokes in that book. So we're going to open up to today's date and hopefully we finally have a decent joke, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to hold my, I,
2: I have a joke for you. Okay. What does an egg drive? <sighs>
0: oh. Yolk wagon. Yeah, I knew something along those lines. They see that's a dad joke. There you go. There you go. And it's probably a hundred percent better than what's about to happen from that book, Nick. Oh, go boy. You got oh, here we go.
1: March 25th. Want to hear a dirty joke, JP. Sure, Nick. A dog jumped into a mud puddle. <laughs> that's terrible. We <laughs> got it. We got to write a
0: strongly worded letter to the authors of that book. Or we should just write our own dad we joke. We collaborate with Bossum and that can be the next book, man. Boom. Yeah. Dad jokes with Dadcast
1: and Boston. <laughs> so I, I
0: I have to admit something. In the last 24 hours, Bossum, I have looked and watched at almost every single I went down the the Cinderella hole on YouTube videos that included you. Because I am an aspiring YouTuber myself, or I was a few years ago doing my own thing. And I came across and saw some of your early, early stuff that you did, which actually uh, it was what was the catalyst for your show that you ended up doing. And, I mean, 5 million views over the course of a few months. And we're talking 10 years ago. This is unheard of when it comes to YouTube back then. Um, us try and get some information on you. But that, how did that, what, it was? I mean, it was all the whole revolution going on. It was what inspired you. I I would like to hear, I know you've probably told this story a hundred times, but here's 101. We'd love to hear that story and the journey that got you to America here on DadCast.
2: So um, in a nutshell, all my life, I was a heart surgeon. I was Mm -hmm. a boring heart surgeon. Actually, not very boring. I mean, I kind of like in my heart, I hated medicine. So I need to have an outlet. So uh, kind of like on the side, I used to teach salsa and tango. So that's kind of like my secret getaway. So it's kind of like between like my uh, yeah, yeah yeah I was like a I was a I was a Latin doctor and then uh, and and then um, I I studied hard for the USMLE the transfer exams and I got accepted in an American fellowship a, a clinical fellowship and I was going to Cleveland then 2011 happened and then suddenly there was a revolution the Arab Spring and um, when you watch the news you would realize that there were two different kinds of reality. The reality on the street, people wanted democracy change. They were revolting against dictatorship. But according to the state-run media, this was no revolution. It was a conspiracy. It was a conspiracy that was run by, uh, you know, uh, the CIA, Mossad, Hezbollah, Iran, Hamas oh. together. This is like how we construct I mean, I know that you guys are getting to know the term fake news. We had them for 7,000 years. No. Then we we like had uh, <laughs> I had a revelation of like I was all I was always mesmerized by Jon Stewart The Daily Show and I kind of like did kind of a knockoff kind of like a version of it in my in an empty apartment where I did YouTube videos making fun of the state-run media and then before right. I know it, it kind of exploded and I had a show uh, I had like offers to actually be on television to actually the, uh, uh, be my own, get my own daily version of the daily show. And before I know it, I had 40 million people watching my episodes. Crazy numbers, each episode on television, the whole country was watching. But of course, you know, uh, authoritarian figures all around the world are very thin-skinned. In your case, in America, it is orange-skinned, but that's a different <laughs> issue. But then not I Not it's not. Uh, uh, yeah, you know, but it's gonna be there. We'll
0: watch but it for 2024. I had,
2: <laughs> then I had like, uh, uh, I, under the Islamists, the Islamists got to power and under them, I was persecuted, arrested, I was interrogated. And then they left. They they were kind of removed by the, the military. The military didn't like my show also. So I was also persecuted, had my show canceled two, two, uh, two or three times. And then I had to escape from Egypt. So basically I left everything behind and I came to America and I'm starting from scratch. Now, It doesn't here in America, it doesn't matter if you have 40 million views. It doesn't matter if the whole uh, country is watching you. At the end of the day, you are an unknown. So I had to kind of like start from the beginning, kind of build myself from the ground up and have like a fresh new start and kind of just have to be humbled down. And kind of like have a kind of a reinvention of myself to uh, start that career here. So that is my story in a very small sense
0: that's a big nutshell and so it's crazy so yeah. interesting. i couldn't even imagine you know we're spoiled over here you know it's it's i, I you don't see many people being shut down their tv show oh, actually you know what you do you yeah do, not, you do. Not, you not to the extent of getting arrested and you know <laughs> death threats i again like i said i went down that rabbit hole and uh watched enough videos to see that i sure as hell wouldn't want to be put in that position that's some scary stuff man No, uh, no
2: Here's the difference between America and what happens in my part. So in my part of the world, the people who does that the shutting or the persecution or ending your career is the government, people with power. It's more of like public outcry. It's kind of like at the end of the day, you are being shut down by private entities that they are worried about their uh, you know, ratings or it's it's business. If you're bad for business, you're out. And if uh, and if the public out, uh, outcry can be, you know, bad for business, it's you know you, they will shut you down. If sometimes you will have a public outcry and the, and the company will not care about it because it's still good for business. For example, when nikki uh, Kaepernick to be the face of you know of their campaign, right. uh, his T-shirt, a lot of like Nike was burned by the people who hit Kaepernick. But Nike didn't care because it was good for business. So at the end of the day, what really decides this whole thing about cancel culture, it's not really cancel culture. It's like what's bad for business.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I can. mm-hmm. can't argue that, man. It's, yeah. oh, that whole, heck, we could spend hours talking Ooh. about Kaepernick, but we're not going to go there. Unless you <laughs> want to talk football. Are you a fan of sports, Boston? American sports of any kind?
2: NBA, man, all the way. Who's your team? Um, The Warriors.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay. You know what? I don't have any problem (laughs)
2: with that whatsoever.
0: I'm a Laker fan, so, you know, they're (laughs) kind of, but, you know, you can't.
2: Laker fan fan is my second favorite because now I live in Los Angeles. But, like, when I came to America, I came and I stayed in the – the East Bay, that's kind of like the... Uh, Oakland, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, like around Oakland. Nice. Yeah. And I w- at that time, that was the rise of the Warriors. And I was just like, got mesmerized. I love Steph Curry. And yeah. I love um, Steph Curry, the, the the coach, because he actually grew up in Egypt. So I had kind of soft spot for that team. And uh, for the past two years, because of the injuries, Clay Thompson and Steph Curry, whatever, they kind of like, you know, dwindled down. But they're still my team. I still love them. I still ap- appreciate them. And kind of like, you know, I didn't kind of like ride on the on the Lakers wagon yet because
0: LeBron James came there, although he's an amazing player and I love watching him play with the Lakers. Yeah, man, I, I'm excited. There were so many, many years there where it was not so good at all. Oh. Yeah. So, back to your kids. Mm-hmm. Uh, as a father, in both of us, Nick as well, we are both – older skewing for having the young children that we do have my youngest is seven years old. Uh, What is there any, what's the hardest thing you do? There's always difficulties and I hate talking negative. We're going to get to the positive, but if you were to pinpoint the frustrations that are good frustrations that you have as a father of young children, you got to have a story. Like I bet you something happened this morning that was just is funny that little kids do anything that, that pops out of your head, Well, uh, are you ready for something a little bit heavy? I was born ready. Should I uh, strap in? Okay.
2: (laughs) So uh, my youngest, Adam, he got diagnosed to be on the spectrum of autism uh, about four or five months ago. Okay. And for us, it was kind of, um, this kind of like shook us hard. But uh, we think that uh, uh, we were kind of like, like very we were not in a very good state and he was kind of uh, has kind of a delayed speech, but we went to doctors. We kind of like, we caught it very early. And, and of course it was very difficult in the pandemic trying to find help and open schools because like most of those services that is provided by your local authorities are kind of shut down because of COVID. Right, And then they say like remote learning, well, good luck having an autistic child who's three years old, looking to a screen, uh, talking to a stranger. So it was a, it, but here, here's what happened. We we kind of like a doctor, a friend of us, told us a sentence that kind of like opened our mind. He said like, "How many people do you hear that be, they are autistic?" It's like a lot. It's like how many of those you see them in adult life? It's like not many. So many of those people kind of like grow out of it, and many of them, with the right intervention and the timely intervention, kind of like grow up and to become amazing people. I mean, I've been reading a lot about it, Bill Gates, then Akron uh, and uh, Susan Boyle uh, even like, they are like old people who had received that kind of uh, uh, diagnosis. Uh, He's not like, he doesn't like, you know, get the typical autistic things like, you know, the sensory irritation and stuff, but he's kind of like, you know, he's on the spectrum. But I will tell you something. It was, of course, very hard, but it was a blessing in disguise because I am used to be someone to be always under stress, and I used to bring that stress with me home. And um, uh, I, I think my son having this kind of diagnosis kind of moderated my stress and moderated my responses. Now I am actually much more understanding and receptive of my children. Uh, I don't lose my, I, I, I check myself before I kind of like lose my temper or become loud. And now I kind of like look at these children in a different eye. And I think it made me a much better father, a much better uh, parent to be more receptive and to be more understanding to someone who might not see eye to eye on the same things or might not have the same perception. So, Uh, uh, it is a journey and I'm kind of like you, I want to use that for a positive thing. I want to actually use my platform in order to talk to people uh, about this because uh, things like this become a stigma and they become uh, and and because of that stigma, society and parents don't really do something to improve it. And instead, they kind of hide it uh, kind of like, you know, push it under the rug. And I, and I think like the more accepting society is for people who are different. They're not handicapped and they're not backwards or anything. They're just different. They're just having their own pace in development. And I think the, uh, the whole thing about child development is, is is needs to be kind of more liberated from the very uh, solid molds that the, that medical and scientific definitions put them into. Because I think it is, it's it, it, they, they kind of like there's like very, very like rigid molds that if you do not fit the criteria,
0: you are behind. I, and I think we, we need no. to to change this. I uh, I can relate to your story, big time. Uh, I my brother-in-law who is 27 years old, he is not on the spectrum. He is, for lack of a better way of saying it, full blown. He is he has autism. He is he doesn't speak. He needs 24-hour care, and one of my other jobs, you know, 40 hours a week, actually, is taking care of him, a 27-year-old man. And, you know, he needs help going to the restroom. It, you have to make his food, everything. And uh, before I knew him, and I don't like to say this, it, it's it's, but it's an admittance that, you know, I would see – Someone with this disability on the street, and you know, I just you know, turn a shoulder and not want to deal. You know, now I welcome it because I understand it, I live it, and yeah, that's the world would be a much better place, wouldn't it? I mean, that also hits on your book about indifference and understanding and everything that you absolutely said.
2: And now, and, and, and now, let's like kind of follow that up with a funny story. So, a couple of months ago. I was traveling. So this, this time it is Nadia's story. So uh, when the book came out, Nadia, I told Nadia, Nadia, uh, what do you think of the book? So she read the book and she said, it is not very accurate. It's like, why Nadia? It's like, well, first of all, I do not collect bubble heads like the book. And and then she started to list the stuff that she does not do in real life. It's like, Nadia, this is not an autobiography. This is a fictionalized version of you in a book. It's like, oh, Okay. So it's fiction then. It's like, yes. And then, um, I was traveling. I was, I was going on a long trip and my wife just got like her wisdom tooth removed and she was like in a, like a whole lot of pain. And, uh, so, and Nadia was like in her moments kind of like, you know, in her kind of like nagging kind of uh, state. And I told her, Nadia, listen, I'm traveling and I want you to be my little helper. You are going to take care of mommy when I go. And I don't want you to put a lot of pressure on her because she's already stressed. So Nadia kind of like looked at me and she said, what about my pressure? (laughs) What about my stress? And she said, Nadia, you're eight years old or nine years old. Like what is, what could possibly be the pressure or the kind of pressure or stress you're passing through? So she looked at me and she said, we don't know what it means to be a child in quarantine. It's like, oh, no,
0: nah, you win. Oh, right? How? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> it's, I'd like to think so. Right, Nick? I'd like to think because yeah. we're living it. We, I've got three kids at home who've had no school for a year. Well, they just went back about a week ago. Thank God. Right. But, uh, you know, the last year has been at some point of this whole homeschooling looking at a computer thing I've just i've a couple days I've just said shined it i I see the stress those poor things are going under and mm-hmm. also the parents going under but yeah, I mean that
1: hits nail on the head. How do you yeah. argue that point? yeah no, I have a nine month old baby and a sixteen year old daughter that's been home for a year and oh my gosh the the stress story yes, I totally. Get it. It's he also uh, has a boy who's in the army, the U.S. Yeah. Army. Yeah. So, yeah, my oldest is in the army. And, uh, yeah, but, uh, yeah, no, my 16 year old daughter for the last year, Dad, I can't be home anymore. We have to go to the store. We have to go to Ross. I'm like, what, what could we possibly need at the Ross? <laughs> I <just> want to <laughs> go out.
0: Yeah, exactly. Out. My, my lady actually wants to go to the DMV. It's getting that bad. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> it's, Let's go wait in line. Woohoo! That's why we really enjoyed Florida, man. It it is (laughs) reckless, as reckless as it was. uh, It was still nice to feel some of that, what used to be. And I wonder if we're ever going to get back to that. I I don't know. I hope so. What do you think, Bassem? Everyone on the planet gets a vaccine. Will the world be the same? Are masks going to go away?
2: No, it will take a couple of years to kind of like get back. Uh, you know, I'm worried. Def- uh, listen, I don't want to be negative, but I'm worried about the next pandemic.
0: The next pandemic? Oh, and right. the next pandemic will happen. I mean, we're talking like pandemic- another version of the
2: strain of the yeah. COVID? Yeah. No, 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 not from COVID. I mean, uh, I'm not, listen, um, if you want to talk scientifically, well, every I, single pandemic that we have seen, yeah, uh, every single pandemic that we have seen comes from animals. And uh, in the past uh, 100, 200 years, our connection with animals has increased dramatically and all because of animal farming. Uh, The source of all the pandemic, all the diseases come from animals and, 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 and kind of like increasing the contact with animals is actually is a huge risk. It's not about like a guy ate a bat in China. It's gonna be like, I mean, if you remember like uh, uh, Avian flu, birds; mm-hmm. swine flu, pigs; mad cow disease; Ebola; even AIDS came from monkeys. Mm-hmm. You know. So the thing is, if we do not find, um, if we do not definitely find a way for controlling animal farming, reducing it, it will continue. And it is, uh, it is, it is a health issue. It's a global warming issue. It is. Uh, it is a pandemic issue, and it will just happen again. It will—I I mean, you know—the uh, the Spanish flu happened. It's the Spanish flu is an avian flu, and it actually started in a in an American uh, camp uh, because of a, a chef who was actually dealing with chicken, and it it happened from there. So the Asian flu, the uh, Hong Kong flu, uh, all over, MERS. There, the, every single—I mean, there is like a, a very funny billboard that's like, "Hey, tofu did never co- cause the pandemic."
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. He's afraid of the next pandemic. Well, now I'm scared. Yeah, me too. I know. So, not tonight. for me. Not for me. My children. Yeah, they, yeah. It's what those poor things yeah. have gone through and been Absolutely. forced to go through this year. I I mean, I don't know if that, they're going to recover. Kids are resilient. We know this, but it's been a hundred years since any child has gone through anything of the sort. And it's so different nowadays than it was back Mm -hmm. in
1: 1918. People, you got social media, you got everybody sharing everything. It's just, it's crazy. Yeah.
0: So George Carlin's your favorite comedian. You like that segue? Oh, yes. <laughs> I love it. I George love Christ. it. I love it. He is the man. Now, hopefully, because I saw that on Wikipedia, and I'm like, you know, you can't always be sure about the Wikipedia. Have you seen my Wikipedia page? I'm a female, apparently. You know, it's oh, God. I'm good at that would look. I'd make comedians laugh, Nick.
1: I'm gonna make say a world renowned comedian laugh.
0: You like my new tattoo, Bossum? Me and my lady got matching tattoos I, I, in I, Florida. I, 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 Oh
2: my God, Jeff, listen, I have to tell you, like your Wikipedia and research everything cracks me up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's good. I mean, here we could, for 19 years, he studied and worked in the field of medicine, a cardiothoracic mm. surgeon. That's hard to say, which just yeah. means heart surgeon, right? Yeah. When's the last time <laughs> you performed any type of medical surgery? 2012. 2000. So that's actually more recent. You were still, no? No, I was
2: already doing my show, but like the thing is, I kind of I didn't really transition completely to comedy because I was still not sure about my new career. Right. So you have to understand how embarrassing it is to be in a in a ward where the patients are recognizing you. It's like, oh my god, this is the funny guy from the internet. Yes, we know him. We know. is he going to operate on me?
0: Yeah, right. <laughs> this is the guy cut me open? oh
2: Yeah, yeah. it was hard. It was very hard. So uh, <laughs> I kind of like, when I got kind of like more confident about my entertainment here, I kind of left medicine. And because of that decision, many more patients are alive today.
0: <laughs> oh, wait, is it is it this one? <laughs> Boom, there it is. <laughs> I haven't used my sound effect board <laughs> for you yet. Oh, man, so in my in my deep dive down that rabbit hole of YouTube videos and Bassam Youssef, um I came across one earlier today. It was an interview with some lady, probably a morning show on NBC. By the way, well done on being
1: on every single talk show in the history yeah. of the universe. That's and well amazing. done on having, I guess the most viewed John Stewart episode ever. Yeah, that's oh. true.
0: And how cool was that when Jon Stewart presented you the award and said he was the Bossam Youssef of America? I I, I can only
2: imagine. I'll I'll, I'll I'll tell you even a cooler story about Jon Stewart. Now, are you ready for the cool story? I was born ready. (laughs) Okay. So when when a lot of people said, like, how did you get yourself on Jon Stewart? So I said, listen, uh, when people started to recognize me in the international press, when I was still on YouTube, I managed to mention and drop John Stewart's name in every single interview deliberately. Right. So it's like, I watch John Stewart. I love John Stewart. I get mesmerized by John Stewart. And then it's like, I eat John Stewart three times a day. It's like, I'm just like, like, just like I'm dropping his name, randomly. (laughs) And because of that, the first ever English article that was written on me is was by, by the Daily Beast. And the title was called the John Stewart of the Night. So it's like, it worked. I am on his radar now. So by the time of like, I finished my first season and I wanted to do a live show, I kind of used every single connection, like, you know, a connection of a connection, a connection to get to a producer on his team in order to shadow his team. So I shadowed his team for three days and surprisingly, when I was there, I found John Sewer coming up and, and shaking hands with me, and he heard of me. Then he invited me to his room, to his office, and then a, a five-minute meet and greet turned to an hour and a half of conversation. Oh, wow. And then I came out of that room, and his assistant said, like, would you like to be on his show? I was like, are you kidding? Of course I want to. Yeah. So this is how I, came, I put myself onto his show. Now, this is the fun part. I told him after the show, I will make you proud of me i will make you i will make this uh, this will not just going to be a meeting i will make i will do all my best to make you come and see what i can achieve in a year a year later i had like the the best theater the biggest theater in my show, like had a life before life audience and it was amazing and i invited him to the show and he came Yeah, and he was on my show and, and that was kind of like the validation. I mean, like everybody could be on a John Stewart show, but how many people can say I got John Stewart on my show? And because of that, and it was so funny, because he, when he came, he could not believe the kind of reception he received. I mean, it, the, 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 his episode on my show is on YouTube. Kind of like jumped from their seat, standing ovations for three minutes in Egypt. And I remember him after the show telling me, "I would have never thought that a short Jewish guy from Jersey would have been received in that kind of reception in the middle of Cairo." And uh, yeah, that's my John Stewart uh, that's, story.
1: That's <laughs> amazing awesome. man!
0: Yeah, amazing. You know, you you, it's like you you willed it
1: to be, you channeled it, and and it happened. All right, so I've got to know. Oh, how how did you find out about us <laughs> so, again two guys from oregon oh, yeah. is agent uh, no
2: but like but like, no, no 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 but before that like i get a list of the stuff that i want to do it's like i want to do that i want to do like I, actually first of all the, the name is very cool <laughs> <The> <laughs> dad, that is a very right? cool name just like the dad cast I'm like i want to be on that show <laughs>
1: That's that's oh, awesome. Man, we appreciate it because we're yeah yeah you know, we're, we're like we're just getting we were so started. I was so blown away when I got the email. I'm like no way this is a joke. Uh, and, no, uh, of course not. I, I mean so, yeah. I so I talked so to you. Happy agent. to be on that show. Yeah, no, we are yeah we are yeah so thankful and just like wow. So yeah, you may be our John Stewart. I'm not
0: even kidding you. This, you know, maybe this will. Maybe, yeah, I mean this know, this podcast was-
1: started out as like something just fun with me and JP and we were talking to our local friends and I have some friends in the music industry that I've been doing a concert promoter for about 20 years. So I've got friends in the the music industry and reached out to some of them and we've had a couple of famous people on there. Nothing nothing like you though. <laughs> and, uh, so oh, it's hey it's man. kind of it's it's, it's going from there and it's just it's growing and our goal now is to do this full time. Don't so we're should. Kind of- you, you should you guys
0: are having a very cool show and I love being on it. Oh, it's awesome! We thank you. Yeah. Don't worry thank about He Gets a little bit nervous around very good-looking men. So you know, <laughs> it happens. I'm, I'm not talking about co-host. me. This hey, is boss, not a good-looking man. You want to be my co-host
1: because <laughs> <laughs> you, can <fire. laughs> you can't fire me. <laughs> uh, you can. You can still produce. <laughs> <laughs>
0: awesome. Do you still do your uh, your podcast? Because I, the, the, what I was going to say is, I saw an interview like three years ago that you were starting yeah. the remade in America.
2: Yeah. Well, I did one season, but I, I wanted to move on and actually do something different. So right now, actually, I'm preparing for a new podcast with actually like a fellow comedian. Ooh. And I and I hope it works out. I cannot really reveal the details because we're still kind of like preparing a pilot for the buyers.
0: Right. But I hope we can do it. You ready? Comcast. I know that's a cable company, but it's also a good name. Comedy, Comcast, I don't know. No, you go nice. ahead and take credit for it.
2: Nice.
0: <laughs> we
2: have a different name, don't worry.
0: So, on your uh, previous podcast, was was there a, uh, was it a platform? Was it a certain topic you guys talked about? Or was it kind of like us where we try to talk about parenting and dad life, but it usually falls right out the rails and we start talking about, you know, Basketball. <laughs> no, and it turns so my, out dads do other things other than parents. Yes, <laughs> that's yeah. true. There's that.
2: <laughs> my previous podcast was called "Remade in America," and it's basically about like how to re- reinvent yourself, uh, especially if you are come from a from a place with certain expectations. You could be. Um, so, I interviewed amazing people, like for example, I I, I interviewed like the first Latino. Latina, who was like an NPR host. I interviewed uh, like, you know, LGBTQ comedians. I interviewed like Max Gibrani, who's was like a, a Persian comedian. So it's kind of like everyone in, our li- in his life or her life at a certain point come to a point where they, ch- they want to change their perspective, their lives, their careers. And it happens that many of those people have to do it in America, whether you come from a different country whether you are from the middle of America and you find yourself on one of the coasts, there is a kind of like a reinvention. I was very interested in these stories. And that's why I kind of like related those stories with mine. Right. So that's why it was, it was a very special podcast that I really loved.
0: Well, could say, when's your, uh, do you have an ETA on when this new podcast is going to start happening? Give or take.
2: It's Hollywood, baby. It's- I mean, you pitch, you wait, you pitch, and you wait, you, you pitch, pitch, and you wait. Everybody in Hollywood is moving. I was like, hey, I'm working on a script, right? Well, Everybody hey, is pitching somewhere.
0: Maybe, I don't know, who's the biggest movie star in the world right now? Dwayne Johnson? The Rock? Yeah. The Rock. Well, Rock's agent's going to yeah. approach Boston and say, hey, we'd like to be on your podcast. And then you'll have an idea of how we feel about Ooh. you, man. Amazing. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, oh, man. Good. That's so much thank you how much uh, traveling have you done in the u.s have you hit almost every single state so far
2: no no but i have been into i mean i couldn't i can't i have been to um portland i have to tell you guys <sighs> you know I mean, I thought that Los Angeles is like a hippie state, oh, like a hippie, a, a hippie city until I went to Portland. No, 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 no. Port- Portland is like in a different category, guys. Yeah. I mean, it's- I could not actually believe that like or that like seriously, like in the last elections, the half of the American states were still voting on weed. And Oregon says, all right, we'll add cocaine. It's like,
0: yeah, what? screw it, man. <laughs> you can do the cocaine. <laughs> do all the meth you want. You're just going to get a $100 fine. It's fine. It's oh. crazy. I'm it's, so crazy. Here. it's crazy. i living here. It's baddie. Who knows? Only time will tell how that one's going to play out. But yeah. we are in the far southern end of Oregon. Portland is way north. So we are at mm. what I like to call the real Oregon. You can't, you can't base Oregon off of Portland, unfortunately. Uh, Although, but but Portland is
2: a great place to place your Oregon onto. That's a great place,
1: man.
0: No, it is a cool place, but don't get me wrong.
1: It's, it's, it's different.
0: It's uh, you ask everyone here. If you could just kind of separate Portland and make it its own state. uh, Yeah. Most people are going to agree. They should make it its own state. Wow. Wow! Internal state politics. Oh yeah. (laughs) The state of Jefferson. They've been trying to do it for years. They want to separate Northern California and Southern Oregon and make it its own state called the state of Jefferson, but it's never going to happen. It's they've been, they've been trying for years and years and years and you know, politics and It is well, there you guys go drinking again. I'm so freaking jealous. Oh. give this I'm man a bottle more. of water, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. let me get my producer over here. Oh, wait, yeah. that's me. It's <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, no, don't worry. I'll be fine. We got a few more minutes to go and we'll be good. Um, are you a movie fan at all? Oh, absolutely. All right, it, 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 I ask. A little background on me real quick. I used to work in radio. I still work in radio, but that's, that's where I got this beautiful voice. Uh, I do done radio and I've interviewed all kinds of rock stars, musicians, celebrities that come through town, et cetera, et cetera. And I always asked them a couple of questions. One was their favorite movie Two, their favorite food and three, which is, a, I hope to be an uncommon question for you. What is the one thing that Bossam Youssef cannot leave the house without every morning? All right.
2: Favorite movie, Shaoxing Redemption?
0: The Shaoxing Redemption. Good stuff.
2: Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, f- uh, but my favorite food, well, uh, I. it used to be a whole lot of things, but now I'm vegan. <laughs> Correct. So carrots. <laughs> but I, I would say stuffed grape leaves. Stuffed grape leaves. Stuffed grape? You know, like with grape leaves, like stuffed with rice. Oh, okay, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the dolma? Like, you know, it's like the, the Lebanese thing, yeah. Yes. Uh, or lentil soup, a very good lentil soup. So that is me. And the thing that I cannot leave a home without, I'm sorry to say,
0: my phone. Absolutely, man. 100%. You an Apple man or an Android man? Oh. I bet you he's an Apple man. Apple Yes, sir. All right. I just made the switch. I, I Apple, baby. I can't believe you waited so long, JP. I, I, I'm sorry, man. I was I'm you know, I'm a creature <laughs> of habit and I don't like he's trying to get me to buy a brand new iMac for, for our podcast. And I went over to his house and I saw it and I it's so pretty and it's amazing. Yeah. But I sat down in front of it and I felt like a five year old who's never seen a computer before. I could not operate the thing, even and I watched a YouTube video and now I'm a pro. So, you know, it's okay. Gosh, the YouTube, isn't it great? Yes. I'm a Mac man all all,
2: all the way. way. I mean, I was a PC all my life. And then I had some money. So I I started to be a Mac guy.
0: Oh, see, it's all about the money. Money changes people. (laughs) (laughs) Nick, Nick, I'm putting you on the spot, man. What's up? I'm I'm not going to say a word for three minutes. Go.
1: Whoa, let's not do that. I I told you you're leading this one, buddy. Actually, I have, a, I have I do have a question. So you've been out touring. What is your favorite comedy club to play at? Oh, favorite comedy club. Well, it is different.
2: I would—I would do not have a a, a a favorite comedy club, but there is a comedy club that I found extremely interesting. It is—you can say it's the, in the middle of nowhere, but it was very interesting to me. It was called—it is called the Funny Stop, and it is in Cuyahoga Falls. In, uh, in Ohio. And uh, it is, and it is according to their, his owner, Pete, it's a blue collar comedy club. This is what the comedy club started in the 70s and the 80s. This is how they started. It's not fancy at all. Very down to earth, very cheap drinks and food, normal local people coming along. And I have to say, it was one of the most interesting experiences that I have been through. And it was interesting because right the next week I was in Miami Improv, which is the most luxurious comedy club I've ever seen in my life. Oh, I mean, wow. the green room is just like crazy, you know? Uh-huh. So it's kind of like you find yourself in different moods and different vibes. So, but yeah, the one in Cahoga Falls is very interesting.
0: Because hmm. if now- ever in Ohio, I'm going to have
1: to check it out. That's Yeah, Ohio, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Huh. I almost went three minutes. I, I say I'm not going to talk, but then I just, just go for <laughs> it, dude. <laughs> I can't help it. At least I'm not talking over everyone this time, Nick. Um, your comedy routine, Bossom, is it? Do you switch it up between shows every other day, or does it stay kind of the same, or is it depending on the crowd? Or you know, how is that process for you? Well, I have a goal. The goal is to get that
2: one-man-show comedy routine to be sold to Netflix. That is why it is fairly consistent. However, of course, there is always uh, a space for improvisation depending on the crowd, how they're behaving, you know, kind of like playing with the crowd. But it is not your typical stand-up comedy where you do crowd work, where you ask people, you get engaged. It's because my comedy routine is basically my story. So think of it as a two-act play. The first act. Is me in Egypt, a doctor having a revolution and everything that goes around that. And then I was I was interrogated for my jokes and all of that crazy things. Like it's kind of like scenes. Everything that I say on the joke, on, on my comedy routine, is actually happened to me. It's actually my own personal story. And then the second act is like me arriving to America in the most peculiar political era ever. And I describe that. So all of that is actually, it's like very personal stories that I do tell to the people. So it's more kind of like very theatrical, very kind of like one man show more than a stand-up comedy, but it is in the form of stand-up comedy. So it's still funny and it's still engaging and everything, but it is more of like a much deeper story of what I have been through. That's why I tell them, this is not your typical stand-up comedy show. Everything that I'm going to tell you tonight actually happened to me, every single thing. And it's true. so, and I think people get engaged to do it they engage with the show because it is true. People can relate to it.
0: absolutely. Well, you know what? I watch a whole lot of Netflix, so I've got some poll. i'll uh, I'll see what I can do about that <laughs> for you. Uh, oh, I'll please talk. do. <laughs> Between me and my lady, I think we might be the uh, oh the number one subscribers to Netflix, which is why there's this overweight problem, which you can't see on the <laughs> camera. But, uh, well, well I would there. love Jeff that you can
2: come to one of my shows. It would really be an honor that you and Nick can come to my shows. Oh, we would love to. Are you? Yeah, t- are you still touring? Go. In fact,
0: talk to me. What are the next? In the next two months, so you got any stops? Well,
2: uh, well, M- Miami was the last of them for now. So we're waiting for new dates. So
0: of course, I was just can. there. Oh man, I-, I was literally sitting in the Hollywood International Airport having the last drink at the Margaritaville in the airport and scrolling through my phone. I was doing a little show prep for you. And I'm like, he's he's in the, he's he's in 20 minutes away, honey, right now. And he played oh last God. freaking night because we left on Saturday. You played Thursday, Friday, Saturday, oh. Sunday. And if I would have just looked oh. at my phone earlier, I did my best attempt because I was on vacation to not scroll through my phone and think about work or anything. This isn't oh, work for the that rest. And I was this texting you. Like throughout the day on your yeah, vacation. and this guy yeah, I tell him don't call me. Calls me like 37 times, but uh, yeah, I was pretty bummed. I, if I would have known, we would have shown up into that show. It, it would have it that that would have that would have been, would have been so awesome. In Miami of all places.
1: Yeah. Well, if you can get booked in Vegas, we're gonna be in Vegas next month. So oh uh, yeah. well, uh, tell you, l- l- Jeff. I, I uh, yeah, seriously,
2: I want I will get you contacts, and I will actually like tell you when where where I'm gonna be
0: where. Absolutely. We'd love to come out and see you, man. Bring the family. Um, I'm not going to bring my kids, though. The seven-year-old's not going to. You want to hear? I've got a drop. This is for you. You ready? This is my seven-year-old, Avery Bossom.
1: Hi, this is Avery. Thanks for listening to my dad on DadCast.
2: How is this not the number one
1: podcast in the world? We're working on it. It's not yet. but it will be
0: well we yeah. we, we got it we got a, this this guy named joe that we need to uh have a chat I with mean, joe, joe rogan does not have what you have no but <laughs> no he doesn't you know what you're damn right he does not that's right oh that's amazing man i thank you for that endorsement that <laughs> you have no idea that yeah. means the world to us and uh we appreciate it man awesome You know what, Nick, I'm about to end this thing. So if you want to jump in here with anything. I just want to say thank
1: you for doing this, man. This is like, this makes this like something that we know we're doing the right thing and we know we're in the right direction. And Well, well, thank you so much. And I want to tell you, like, you know, sometimes I joke about like,
2: uh, you know, uh, when Arabs get their kids to comedy clubs, because like sometimes I have Arab audience coming to my show, they have never set foot in a comedy club before. Sometimes they get the kids and I say like the Arabs that come to my show with kids, I tell them, guys, like, you know, this is there's a lot of F bombs. It's like F bombs right.
0: back home <laughs> we've got real bombs. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you hope you don't your show doesn't bomb. Again, speaking, speaking of, about bombs, of YouTube you too. I'm actually seen... proud of us.
1: We didn't drop one F bomb this episode. <laughs> we did it. And there was I'm Good I'm proud job, and Nick. disappointed at the same time. <laughs> Nick, Nick, it usually takes him forty-five seconds to
0: a minute. Sometimes when he's really behaved, we get about five, ten minutes through. And exactly. then, And then at the end of a show, I'll drop one just for the sake of the fact that I can. This isn't radio, but uh, we're not going to do an F-bomb on this show. We've done so well. There's yeah, no, I mean, you know,
2: I, 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 this is like a dad joke, so I was very, very careful.
0: For the <laughs> record, it would have been perfectly okay because yeah, yeah, dad doesn't drop an F-bomb here and there. That's right. <laughs> Oh, all the time. (laughs) (laughs) All right, man. Well, man, from the bottom of my heart, from my family, awesome Youssef, thank you so much for taking time out of your day to uh, join these two guys from Oregon's podcast, DadCast. It's been a pleasure. It it is one one of
2: the sweetest experiences that I had. Jeff and Nick, you were amazing, and I really enjoyed every minute of it. Thank you so much.
0: You are very Thank welcome, you. man. And uh, yeah. once uh, once this is over, um, we'll be in contact with you. I'd love to get that information, and uh, we'll come see a show and and get and get and get and and get that book,
2: uh, Magic and Reality for Nadia. Seriously, your kids will love it. I One probably. more time,
0: where is there? Do you have a website or anything that anyone watching or listening to this podcast? Yeah, can my, my website.
2: Oh yeah, yeah. You should follow my website for my upcoming shows if I have any. So, <laughs> <laughs> Basim Yusuf. Uh, it is bestimusive.xyz. It's not .com. It's
0: .xyz because I'm cool like that. Yeah, Bestimusif. we're cool like .xyz. that too. <laughs> I I got a .co for our website.
1: Ooh, yeah, a
0: I, I, I have no You're idea coming what that in means. With the .co man.
2: <laughs> it's kind of like we 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 just like too lazy to continue to a .com. We just like a .co. Yeah, they're
0: exactly. like oh, .co. Yeah, we're good.
1: Yeah, we're yeah. <laughs> The baby needs us. We're good. There it is,
0: Bossom Youssef, surgeon, world famous comedian, the man, the myth, the legend, and now reaching the pinnacle of his career by appearing on Dadcast. Thank you.
1: Yeah. Thank you. Thank I, you so much, man.
0: I love you
2: guys. I like. I hope to meet you one day, even if it was in Portland.
0: Oh, <laughs> if we have to go to Portland to hang out, you know, have we'll go to Portland. Day. We'll do it. We'll make it happen, man. <laughs> Musa, thank, thank you so, you so much. much we will uh hopefully have you on again in the future if that wouldn't be a bad thing once we have 10 billion followers and we're ruling the world absolutely 100 uh, percent. we'll see you all next week this episode has been brought to you by our amazing sponsors anchor valley wine boneyard elixir red robin america's gourmet burgers and spirits happy dragon mongolian barbecue chris barnett of barnett group at realty executives and jl insurance